Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Pilots Pandemic Podcast. You're here with your host, Emma, and our lovely co-host, Maddie. Hey, guys. And this week, we are back with a repeat guest, Joe LaRusso, and he has been a a fan favorite. So we're stoked to have you back again, Joe. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, Very happy to come back anytime. And uh, I appreciate everything you guys are doing for the advocacy in our world. I mean, it's uh, it's second to none. So it's always a pleasure to get uh, uh, to come back on here. So thank you, Joe. Joe, for any of our first-time listeners, can you give yourself a little bit of an introduction and why you are interested in this space of the aviation space? <laughs> sure. So uh, if you were to ask me what I do in, in a public setting, I would say first and foremost, pilot. So uh, I'm a professional pilot. I've been flying for two decades. I still fly professionally right now, um, doing some uh, government contract work. I still fly a couple of Part 91 jets. A uh, handful of Learjets, a handful of Citations. Um, I still air show in a 1943 Stearman. Um, so everything I do is is aviation focused. In addition to, uh, I'm also an aviation attorney. Um, so I actually began my world how I first met y'all. Uh, I began my legal career by putting pilots into the HIMSS program. Um, back in those days, uh, the HIMSS program was not accessible to 91 and 135 drivers. So they just got denied on their medicals. Um, so that's how I began my career was putting medicals in their pockets. And then very quickly, uh, as we discussed last time, the HIMSS program took a, a hard turn. And, mm-hmm. uh, and now um, I primarily focus on certificate defense um, and advocacy for pilots and getting pilots out of that broken system. So um, been doing that now for the better part of a decade. So. Yes, you are a fan favorite, like we said, and um, we do send a lot of people to you because of his expertise. So, you know, if you guys ever have questions about your medical or anything like that, you can always shoot us a DM and we can connect to each other. You can connect with him just on your own. Um, You've always been very open, which I love that about you. Like you're, you're never like late to reply. I feel like I email you and you get right back to me. Um, And I really appreciate that that about you so thank you Uh, but today we're going to talk about something that has kind of flown under the radar I think a lot of people have not heard about this issue with the FAA so I am excited to dive into it and probably learn a lot more about it with you Um, and I had heard about this issue but I didn't know if it was real and I wanted to vet it. And thankfully, Joe sent us an email and was like, hey, I need to talk to you about this. So I just kind of give you a little bit of coverage of what we're going to go over with Joe today. So I received a message in my DMs um, from a friend and it says it's just in a group that she was a part of. So I'm going to read that message and then, Joe, you could probably elaborate on it for us. So it says, I had my FAA exam today and my AME told me that the FAA has started regional audits of all VA records and FAA medicals. If a service member has not reported their VA disability and they find it, they will most likely lose their medical until it can be vetted. I served 30 years in the Marines and have yet to claim due to this. My AME is very knowledgeable and on point with the FAA. He has told me not to push the claim button until I've shown him the paperwork. Also, anything shoulders and up and neurological are automatic downers until vetted by the FAA. He has had multiple legacy airline pilot lose their medical recently due to this. So... What the fuck is going on, Joe? <laughs> you know, th- so this is something that that we have always heard in this industry, um, that you, uh, a, a veteran coming out of the uh, service, 
um, the, the VA has the ability to share records back and forth with the FAA. And we have always been told uh, um, that the, the FAA will always consult with the, the VA. And in the past, they've done audits and, and they've shared records back and forth. But I'll be very honest with you. Um, we all thought that was bullshit. It was just kind of uh, smoke and mirrors to, to make sure that VA's, um, you know, veterans were reporting their, uh, their disability benefits um, to the FAA there in box 18 on their 8500. Um, so definitely, definitely something that everybody was was really uh, um, skeptical about. And they actually did. I, I tried to find this article, but about eight years ago, uh, the FAA put out in their FAA AME guideline bulletin, their little medical journal. Um, they put out something that says that they they recently did an investigation and they found five pilots that were uh, not truthful on their medical application with regards to their VA disabilities. And uh, and all of us were like, really, five? <laughs> like, um, as, as you guys know, and as we've talked about before, the FAA's aeromedical division has essentially created a, uh, a medical structure where there are many pilots not telling the truth um, on their uh, medical application. So to only hear that five were uh, affected by apparently this national investigation, all of us were like, eh, yeah, it's mm. probably not real. Um, however, like four months ago, uh, my office started getting call after call after call from veterans. Um, hey, I'm getting LOIs. I'm getting a letter of investigation on this. I just got an emergency revocation on this. And everything started to be uh, veteran medical disability be uh, benefits. Um, so we did a little digging and we found out that the FAA um, uh, did a large scale investigation with the VA and they um, they put records back and forth. They put MedExpress applications with VA disability memos and they started cross pollinating uh, to see who had disabilities that were not being reported on their MedExpress. Um, and I wish I was making this up, but the number of uh, airmen that were affected by this is in the thousands, in the absolute thousands. Um, my office is flooded by it. I know a couple of aviation attorneys around the country that they're flooded by it um, and uh, very, uh, um, you know, uh, with, with significant candor. I've talked to a bunch of aviation attorney buddies of mine, and they have said, their entire world now, their entire litigation file is all veterans. So it happened. This yeah. time wasn't bullshit. So why do you think this is happening? And like, what do you think the logic behind doing this is when they're already so bottlenecked at the OKC office and having to like sift through hundreds of thousands of medicals already? And to add to that cake, let's just add some sprinkles. We're in the middle of a pilot shortage. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a couple of theories on this, and these are uh, off-the-cuff theories from just being in the industry as long as I've been in the industry. Um, this is a reauthorization year, right? So mm -hmm. uh, this year, the FAA is going to have to go in front of Congress and ask them two questions. One, can we please exist again? And two, can we have a bigger budget? So the, the thread that goes between those two things is we are essential. We are integral to the aviation uh, system, to the NAS uh, of, of this nation. And there have been a couple of things that have come out this year that, uh, that, that you know, the, the old conspiracy theory flags started coming up of, are you guys just justifying, are you finding problems that you quote unquote believe are problems to justify your existence? Hmm, yeah. So out of nowhere, we get, what they believe is thousands of pilots lying on their medical and they must exist to protect the public from this event. Wow. So that's interesting. I actually had not thought about that before. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, when they're doing this though, I think a lot of us are wondering like, is this legal for one, for them to go and sift through this? Um, and I did go and ask, you know, another AME, like their thought, he's also a military pilot. Um, and his words, this is just to play devil's advocate because, you know, there's always two sides of the coin. Um, he said from the government's 
perspective, the pilot is being paid for a disability that is supposed to preclude them from working. So what are your thoughts on this? Is this actually legal for the FAA to do um, to vet these military pilots' records? So that was my first question when we found out about it. We immediately put in, I think the first week we found out about it, we uh, kicked off three congressional inquiries and we asked a couple of questions in the inquiries. So the first question we asked was, what are the legal grounds for this inve investigation? Because both the VA and the FAA are public health agents under HIPAA um, by their own admission, uh, mind you. So they have both said, hey, we know our role under HIPAA and we are going to adhere to HIPAA. Um, I know as a pilot, I have not uh, signed an authorization to let the FAA go talk to anybody, let alone the VA. Um, and, and I'm sure that's the same with every pilot. So how in the world did uh, one public health agent talk to another public health agent and then, and then uh, HIPAA apparently didn't exist and records went cross? Um, the other question that we asked is, um, kind of essentially the, the, um, the motivation for it, um, is, you know, why would you believe that this is aeromedically significant? You know, what, what's the argument there that, that even if this does exist and pilots are not being truthful about their disabilities, um, does that really, uh, somehow impact aeromedical, um, you know, uh, like an, an aeromedical condition? Does that signify the automatic assignment of an aeromedical condition? Mm -hmm. um, the responses that we got back on those, oh, and the final question, this is just a, as an aside, all the letters of investigation went out under Dr. Harriet Lester. Um, she is a, a regional flight surgeon and the LOIs that went out had a settlement offer under prompt settlement policy, the FAA's prompt settlement policy. So the last question we had is what basis does Dr. Lester have to conduct this uh, investigation as a regional flight surgeon? And then two, um, where are the legal grounds for her being able to offer a settlement policy from a legal enforcement side? Because uh, she's a doctor. She's not an attorney. So mm -hmm. um, kind of an issue back and forth on that one. Um, the answer that we got back was the most general answer that I've ever seen in my life <laughs> from the office of the FAA's chief counsel, which they're very good at doing. Uh, I will give them credit that they're good at doing general answers. And they basically said that the FAA is allowed to in, uh, investigate um, issues involving uh, aviation safety and Department of Transportation safety um, and aeronautical safety. So under that broad discretion from Congress, uh, they found the justification to violate HIPAA. But how would they know that there's a safety issue before ac the actual violation of HIPAA? Agreed. So that's the response to that is, you know, that that investigative, that broad investigative statute has traditionally been used for, um, you know, airline crashes where all the seats broke apart, right? Where seatbelts mm -hmm. snapped, where frames snapped in like seven different places. The FAA was allowed to conduct investigations that involved medical uh, grounds like coroner's reports uh, to look at, well, should we have better regulations about the integrity of seats, seatbelts, airframes? That's traditionally where that, that uh, statute has been utilized. Um, and in this case, their investigation was squarely on veterans and squarely on veterans that they thought were being um, fraudulent. In, in the in the execution of the Med Express. So so what was the motivating factor for that? Other than I have a hunch. Mm, you gotta tell us your hunch. <laughs> yeah. Really? I mean, the other like... fun fact about that is that investigation requires subpoenas. Yeah, um, I was just gonna yeah. ask about that. I know we had you had mentioned that in our meeting before this. Yeah, so we've asked to see the thousands of subpoenas that exist in response to those investigations. And hmm. they don't exist, is my guess. Yeah, maybe we got a subpoena from that. I don't know. No. <laughs> so, I mean, like you said, they sent out, it seems like, thousands of these letters. What do they expect the, like, what is expected of the aviator once they receive these letters? Is there something that they can do to, um, what's the word? Forgive me. I'm drawing a massive blank. Um, 
repeal? Is there anything that they can do to reverse that decision, basically? So the LOIs that are coming out are essentially saying, you know, we believe that, you know, based on your uh, uh, review of your VA information that was supplied to the FAA, I think is their exact terminology. Um, they say there are concerns regarding incorrect statements on your um, on your 8500. And those concerns are then lifted. So if the veteran has like, you know, um, plantar fasciitis, uh, uh, you know, like a, a hammer toe, uh, a, a lumbar sprain, uh, you know, concussion. And then, of course, we're going to get to the biggest issues are PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will list all the medical conditions that they believe they are uh, otherwise not privy to, and they will require appropriate testing and supporting medical records uh, on all those conditions. Um they, they also require response time within 10 days. So when the airman receives the letter, they have 10 days to, to meet the request. Um, I will tell you that I have airmen that have called me and said, Joe, I, I've called them 45 times in 10 days and uh, no one's answering the phone. No one's calling me back. Um, and that's because the FAA shot themselves in the foot by doing this to thousands and thousands of airmen. Um, and somehow they're supposed to answer the phone with these airmen that are you know, that that flying is their livelihood, their identity, their the, everything about them. And and of course, they're going to call a million times until somebody answers the phone. And the FA has inundated themselves to the point where they can't answer the phone. These- yeah, I actually um, had posted kind of that excerpt that I read earlier in the beginning of the show on my Instagram the other day. And I had a military pilot say, this is happening. And there are a lot of rumblings about it in the military group that I'm part of. And he's like, it's actually happening to me right now. I'm not flying. And I kind of asked him like, well, what what are you doing like to to get back to flying? He's like, I literally have to wait till they vet it out. And I'm calling every day. Okay, see in there. They're saying nothing. Obviously, can't get an answer. So he, and I think he said it's been since July that he's been waiting. Right. Uh, but in a lot of ways, this seems like all these aviators are like, like in the legal system, like guilty until proven innocent instead of keeping them on the line flying until there is something actually provable that they did wrong um and he said himself like i actually have claimed all of the disability so i'm not afraid that i'm not going to get my medical or not going to be able to renew it because that's kind of what's happening is he's not able to renew until they vetted it um which i think is wrong like what do you think about that yeah i I 100% believe, uh, and I've been I've been getting on the soapbox for years about the procedural aspects of the FAA. Like they are very willing to uh, throw rocks at airmen, right? Uh, figuratively and, and metaphorically, throwing rocks at airmen, saying, "Nope, you're not going to fly today. You're not going to fly today." But they don't have the procedural system for defense, right? They don't have. There's no due process with the yeah. FAA. Um, and whenever I have an off-the-cuff uh, chat with somebody uh, who deals with the air medical system within the FAA, I always get the same basic response of, well, Joe, we're dealing with 600 calls a day and you know 600 matters a week and whatever that number is, right? And, and the answer to that is, well, that's all issues that you've caught. And <laughs> they've just decided to add even more to the plate, which is so... Oh, goodness. That's just, I'm like, that's just really, really dumb. <laughs> yeah. And then here's the other two frustrating aspects about it is um, if, you know, some airmen will get the LOI, right? And those airmen we've been finding are traditionally your um, PTSD at 30% or lower, and then like back pain and, and, you know, headaches and stuff like that. And they have less than a commercial pilot's license. Right. They're like private pilots or, uh, you know, they maybe have an instrument rating. Maybe they do have a commercial rating. I don't know. But but certainly nothing higher. Mm-hmm. The air, the other airmen that we're getting that have the ATP. Right. Um, their conditions don't re- they're not they're not treated with an LOI. Their matter is treated with an emergency revocation. Mm-hmm. In an emergency revocation, um, please, for all the listeners out there, you have a 48 hour uh, appeal timeline on the emergency determination. So like, if you get one of those in the mail, you have 48 hours, you need to get a hold of an aviation attorney. Um, and that is a hundred percent, no due process. That means your ATP leaves your pocket. That means your medical leaves your pocket. 
I mean, if you have a builder's license because you've been building an RV, your builder's license le uh, leaves your pocket. Um, everything is gone, stripped away. And uh, from that point, not only do you have to evidence your medical to get that back, but now you also have to go do your private written, your private check ride, do your commercial written, your commercial check ride, your instrument written, your instrument check ride. You have to work your way back up to ATP. Oh, that's big. Um, so how, I guess, like, I know that obviously there's legal ramifications. Um, do you feel like this is a fightable thing? Like this is legally fightable? I think it, I think it is legally, each one of them is certainly legally fightable within their own grounds, you know, from a, a medical and clinical evaluation standpoint. But I also feel like this should be, this is a great time to push politically. This yeah. is a great time to go to your representatives and to say, this is wrong. This is wrong. They are, Congress gave the FAA the ability to, uh, to function in this, in this aviation world. And yes, it was broad uh, delegation and discretion, but it still has rules. It still has statutes. And the FAA is just, in my opinion, from an aeromedical standpoint, is wildly stepping out of their congressional limits. Um, so, wilding so out for a while now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'll give you a great example of it. So the FAA is passed. The Office of, you know, CAMI, right? The Office of Aerospace Medicine. They are tasked to decide whether or not a medical condition is aeromedically significant for the airman to operate, right? Mm -hmm. That's at its very core. That's the mission of CAMI. So when a, when a uh, veteran has uh, disability benefits for um, lumbar pain, for example, a lot of that disability benefits for anybody who's been separated from the military, I'm sure they've heard the phrase, um, it's not for now, it's for later, right? So if you hurt your leg as a, uh, you know, in, in the army um, and you hurt your leg, you broke your leg, you may be fine in your 20s, fine in your 30s, fine in your 40s, fine in your 50s, all the way up. But, you know, in your 70s, that injury may come back to haunt you, right? And that's why that's why VA benefits exist, so that you can get treatment for it uh, when it becomes a factor. Yeah. The reason why I bring that up is because that injury is probably not aeromedically significant today, right? Yeah. The fact that an airman may have broke a leg in service uh, six years ago. Why is that being scrutinized by the FAA right now? Is it aeromedically significant? And if it's not aeromedically significant, it should not require this level of investigation. So like you had mentioned, like even if the military pilot is not using the disability that they've been awarded, they're still having their medical pulled, um, which obviously to us sounds like an overreach in a lot of different ways. But what kinds of military pilots are being the most affected by this? I know you had mentioned um, helicopter pilots and as well as PTSD, but what seems to be like the common theme? You're exactly right. So the biggest fights that I'm having right now are uh, rotor wing uh, drivers that, you know, they flew medevac in the service. Um, they flew, you know, low level support in the service. Um, Cobra drivers, Blackhawk drivers, you know, you name it, right? And now they come into the civilian world. And what do you think they do? You know, they go right into that industry, right? They're, they're medevac pilots or they're, um, you know, they're, they're, doing like high load lifts in the, in the mountains and stuff like that, or search and rescue. So they're essentially doing what they did in the service now in the civilian world. And a lot of those guys and gals did get a PTSD um, uh, VA benefit, right? Like good on the VA world. They, it used to be very, very difficult uh, for a veteran to get PTSD. Um, mm -hmm. It used to be uh, highly scrutinized and it basically had to appear like shell shock. Right. Like it had to be totally uh, disabling to where mm. that person could even function anymore. But we now know because because medicine is dynamic, it, it's constantly changing. We're evolving. We're doing studies. We're learning. And, and we now know that there are many forms of PTSD and PTSD takes uh, as many different symptoms, takes different forms uh, through situational anxiety or triggers or, you know, situational depression. Um and so good on the VA, they've been assigning PTSD 
uh, a little bit more liberally in in situations that probably uh, that that call call for it. Yeah. Um, and the VA, the FA has not looked at it like that. The VA still looks at it like the old, you know, PTSD is 100% disabling. Um, but what they're not realizing is that it's uh, a lot of times that PTSD is not aeromedically significant. Mm -hmm. That these rotor wing pilots, that's their happy place. That's when they're very effective. You put them in a cockpit, they're amazing. They, you know, they, they become one with that helicopter. They have a perfect track record. They've, you know, nothing has ever gone wrong. They're amazing operators. Um, you put them in a public setting, like a very public concert, maybe they don't do as well, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not aeromedically significant. And to kind of reiterate too, like, like you said, like they can get that benefit and they have like the PTSD disability benefit, but they may have never used it. However, they're still having that medical pulled. Mm -hmm. And um, with the neurologic stuff, it seems like you said, because the FAA is so archaic and they see PTSD as a totally like unable to f be fit to fly with that diagnosis, um, even though they're not using the benefit. Um, do you think that these people with that disability are going to get their medical back, even if they haven't used it? So I think there's ways to do it. Um, but unfortunately, um, you know, we have uh, we have a lot of tests that I believe are, you know, some of the uh, the HIMS um, neuro neuro tests like the Cog screen and the MMPI and, and all that. Uh, a lot of those are industry tests that maybe don't reflect something that's aeromedically significant, but maybe reflect something that you know, like I said, you don't do well in public settings. Um, so unfortunately, in these cases, even if the airman has uh, does not utilize those benefits, but has been assigned those benefits. The airmen will still have to undergo those testing, you know, that that big neuro total battery testing to evidence the fact that they're they're functional. Um, and, and some airmen do very well on it. Um, and other airmen, even though they're not on disability benefits, uh, do not do very well on it. Um, and it's a shame that we're leaving it up to, you know, that total battery of tests um, yeah. to determine whether or not something is aeromedically significant. So. Wow. Yeah, we were actually, before we got on this podcast with you, the recording, uh, we were talking to someone about the cog screens and AME, and he totally disagrees with it as well, you know, um, but the, that's how the FAA does things. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, do you, I have one more question that I have not scripted here, but I just thought about is, you know, they're having their medicals pulled and all that. And you said they do have to do these battery of tests. Do they have to go through a special issuance process or do they just have to take those tests to prove that they're able to fly? So under the regs, you should be able to just prove that nothing is aeromedically significant and you should get an unrestricted medical. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Realistically, anything having to do with, uh, as you guys mentioned earlier, shoulders up, that's going to mm -hmm. be an SI. Yeah. Wow. That's all I could think is like, I feel like they're going to make them just because now that they know that this is on their record, I feel like they're going to use that same logic like they do with everyone else against these people, even if they're not like, even if they're well, like Maddie said, even if they're not using that disability currently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you think you're going to do like a class action lawsuit against the FAA? Oh, I'd love to figure out something. I'd I'd love to figure out something, but I think the path of least, uh, the path of least resistance um, is going to be politically. Um, now we do have a okay. couple of cases that are going to go uh, up in front of the court of appeals, um, but you know those are individual wins, right? Those are micro wins. It's not doing anything for the macro, right? For the whole community, and I yeah. think the biggest push has got to be from pilots, you, you know, turning to their representatives and saying, you know, this is ridiculous. We are in a, a pilot shortage, like you said, Emma, and 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 we got functional pilots that are being sidelined for for reasons that they shouldn't be sidelined for. Um, and then we have another group of pilots that I think we need to talk about is uh, you got you got literal uh, you know veterans that are choosing between their their service connected right to have these benefits or to uh, do their passion, their career, uh, their identity of being a pilot. Like, 
in, so, in what sense is that correct? That's one thing I wanted to ask you. And I know Maddie has another question for you. And this is unscripted, but kind of going back to what Maddie had said about, you know, speaking to someone, you know, from the government's perspective, that pilot is being paid for disability and it's supposed to preclude them from working. But just like you said, it's their right to have that disability um, and something that you earn via going into the military. So what would you say to that argument? You know, and even if somebody is using the disability, do you believe that they should be able to work still if it's not something that's aeromedically significant? I think they should be able to work. I, I, I will tell you that that sentence that's been irking me this entire time that the VA benefits are so they don't have to work. Uh, that's bullshit. That's just yeah. like, that's just pure and other bullshit. That is those VA benefits are a recognition of service connected injuries. That's mm -hmm. it. That is not saying that you can no longer contribute to society. That's, that's saying that if you broke your leg um, as a grunt in the Marines, you should be able to have that leg taken care of when you're 70 years old. Yeah. That's what that's saying. Like you, you can still be a productive member of society. And I think that's what people, uh, they confuse it, right? Because they, it's, it's, the, if you look at the 87, uh, you know, the actual, you know, the, the medical application itself, right? If you look at the 8500-8 and, and you look at 18, I think it's like 18W or something like that. If you look at that exact question, all it says is disability benefits, medical disability. Our favorite snack from our favorite female aviator. Avinola packs so much flavor that there are endless possibilities of concoctions that you can make with this granola. You guys, we are talking about recipes like mini keto cupcakes, tropical avinola collagen smoothies, buckwheat avinola cakes, avinola parfaits, and even chocolate granola bark. Go to the avinola Instagram page at avi under slash foods under slash co. That's at avi under slash F-O-O-D-S under slash C-O to get your hands on these recipes and order yourself some delicious granola made by a female aviator. Use code PILOTSPANDEMIC for 15% off your order. Disability benefit. So we're grouping people that are like, you know, on Medicaid disability, on social security disability, that are you know actually disabled and can't work with VA uh, disability benefits, mm, like they, which is, they can't all be thrown in the same bucket. Which is just yeah, yeah. very very wrong. And I, I wanted to ask that question because I just like like we had mentioned before, you know, I no, Maddie and I both know a lot of people in the military and a lot of people who you know were served in the military and now they're commercial pilots, and it's just. It's really, really crazy to me that they're discriminating in this way um, and kind of bizarre because, I mean, it's just kind of like a known thing, um, especially within the aviation community. But even just from talking to my Air Force buddies, it's like, yeah, I'm in the Air Force. So I'm going to be in the Air Force for 10 years and then I'm going to be a commercial pilot. That's just what you do. Like, yeah. that's why I got into this in the first place. So to, you know, potentially get an injury while on in the line of work, in the line of duty, and then have it, I just, I don't know. The whole thing is just so messed up. It it really is. It's it's tragic. And and I think one, you know, the, the big push on this one is you need to, all your listeners, you guys touch such a, a wide group. Um, all the listeners need to, they need to bang on some doors on some representatives and say, hey, this is ridiculous. Like, this is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. And we need we need reform, right? And the reform starts. I always get asked that question from from senators and congressmen and congresswomen. Well, Joe, how would you start it? Um, you start it with the eighty five hundred eight. You start it with the medical application. The phrase "Have you in your life uh, been diagnosed with, had, or do you presently have any of the following?" That is literally what Box eighteen says at the start, and that is unreal. That is such a wide scope. Um, that needs to be corrected. Uh, do you receive disability benefits? That needs to be corrected. Um, ADHD, we see a lot of pilots getting sidelined for ADHD. Um, the box that the FA believes ADHD fits into is uh, mental disability, right? Which is I, crazy. I guarantee you, if you, 
Yeah. Yeah. If you ask somebody with ADHD, hey, do you have a mental disability? I bet the answer is going to be no, I have ADHD. ADHD. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my gosh. So you got to start there. And then we have to shift the the regulations back towards the pilots, right? 6153 exists, 14 CFR 6153. And what it says is that as a pilot, I have to make sure that if there is some medical situation that I believe will impact my ability to safely function as a PIC, I must self-ground, right? I got to take myself out of the air. And I have, I can truthfully say this, I have never represented a pilot that has it, um, you know, laid on that sword and said, Joe, I live my life by that statute. Um, even some of the pilots that I've represented that maybe have had drinking problems in the past with HIMSS programs, um, I have never represented a pilot that has been drunk in a cockpit, has been high in the cockpit in, in the better part of a decade. Um, but the FAA doesn't give us the discretion that that statute calls for. They don't let us have the respect for this industry and this passion and this identity. They don't have us, they don't, they don't trust that we respect it. And that is unbelievably hurtful. Yeah, it's um, it's the lack of trust, you know, that you don't follow the rules. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just it's distasteful. And I also don't agree with the wording of the it's basically like since birth, have you had any yeah. issues with your medical health? Or, you know, it's just wow. Um, and I, I love that you reiterate like congressional change and, and pushing for that because it is difficult on M and I side, obviously, you know, that we're pushing for congressional change. Um, we do have a lot of aviators who stay silent, even though they have stories to tell about their medical process. They've been through it, but they're so scared that the FAA is going to seek retribution against them that they don't speak up. Um, yeah. So what do you have to say to those types of pilots who are scared that the FAA may retaliate against them if they do speak out? So there are ways with your with doing a congressional inquiry with your congressional representative that you can say to them, hey, I am your constituent. Here's where I live. I'm your constituent. But I am so scared about um, losing my license and losing my medical and and coming, you know, standing up on my soapbox of the FAA um, that I have not asked you guys for congressional assistance. Um, and there are ways that they can proceed from that point forward um, being uh, confidential. So I, I would tell you there are ways. There are 100% ways. You just got to be honest to your congressional representative and say, hey, I'm nervous about my name getting out there. What do we do here? Yeah, I um, because I have a bunch of pilots who've written affidavits like stating their issues with the air medical system, and I just said to my legislative assistant, if you do send these to the FAA, please redact the names from the affidavits because they are afraid that they will be sought um, retribution against them, um, which I think they'll respect. Um, yeah, I hope that they do. Um, but at the same time, like you said, they don't have the personnel to really go after anyone. Um, they can't even deal with medicals in an efficient manner. Um, but the one the other thing I want to talk about is because you've mentioned the reauthorization and the funds being allotted to the FAA. Um, why do you think that they're pushing more for technological changes, like with space and stuff? Like that was kind of what their first meeting was with the reauth this uh, past week, I think it was. Um, why do you think they're not focusing on the air medical system and why it's just so overlooked and underfunded? That's a, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I would say it's not sexy. So, you know, right now you got, you know, space travel, commercial space travel, drones, uh, you know, autonomous vehicles that can, that can, you know, Uber air, right? Like mm -hmm. um, there's a big technological push and, and that's what's in the news right now, right? Like, mm -hmm. like AI is blowing up right now, you know, that, that's where the, uh, that's where they know that, that uh, constituents are going to be leaning into their, into their uh, congressional representatives about those issues. So the FAA is pandering and they're essentially saying, yeah, we would love to do that too. We would love, I mean, give us some money. We'd love to improve everything. And um, I, I think that's the problem right now. 
Um, I don't know if you guys remember or not, but one of uh, Elon's uh, SpaceX, uh, the Falcon 9. I was 9. literally just <laughs> about to talk about that. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, it got canceled because uh, uh, there was some like a uh, little hiccup at the FAA and they canceled the launch. And Elon tweeted, the FAA is the greatest detriment to space travel. And it, <laughs> it blew up. It blew, like it was like, I was so happy when I read that. It was amazing. Um, and it blew up. And now all of a sudden, if you go on their social media, the FAA's social media, it's like, look what we do to improve commercial air travel. And look what we do to facilitate uh, space launches. And, you know, look what we do to do drones. And so, you know, they're, they got they got hammered. Now they're pushing for it. It's kind of like a double edged sword because he called it out, which was awesome. But then now that's like their sole focus, which is not so awesome. Which yeah. <laughs> my other and I get a little bit tree huggery and a little granola when it comes to this <laughs> subject. But it's like I hate the fact that we're focusing so much on something that has real no relevance to the way that we're living right now like how we are currently living and how people are currently being affected. Um, I could just think of so many other ways that that money could be really impacting and improving the lives of so many people versus Elon and Bezos and all our fun little billionaires who want to like try to go to space. I'm just not for it. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> for it. I'm like, it makes me really upset. I'm like, I wish, but that's, I mean, I feel like that's kind of a testament to our government. You know, we're always going to focus on things that aren't really close to home. Um, and this is what that feels like to me. I'm just like, there's so many more things that are so much more important than commercial space travel. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. And that's what they're getting pressure on. Right. That's what that's what Congress is getting pressure on. And that's the wrong thing. And but I do think because, he, you know, your guys's podcast and the, like the, the the push that, you know, in the last I've never I've never been a part in the, in, in the entirety of my uh, legal career. I've never seen the type of momentum and wave that we have right now. Um, like it seems like there's a bunch of uh, social media posts about it and there's articles being written and, you know, podcasts and, and there's so much uh, light on it to the point where you had Northrop here recently, Dr. Northrop did uh, her podcast, the year up there. She just, you know, um, said, mm -hmm. we're going to focus on mental health. And, you know, she started pandering to it. And, yeah. and when we get that much, that much momentum to the point where the FAA is starting to recognize it and pander to it. That's, I mean, that's a big door opening for us. That's a, yeah. that's a, yeah. we got our toe in the door now and we got to slam it. Like we got to just push, push, push and get through the door with as many people as we possibly can until we get aeromedical change. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful message because I think Maddie and I, and probably all of our listeners, we, you know, we always look for, oh, well, this could be better or this could be more. Um, and sometimes it's nice to sit back and reflect on like, Hey, these are strides. These are wins. Um, you know, stuff that we should be taking down and writing in our book and patting ourselves on the back. But it is also the push of like, all right, now you got to keep on doing more. Um, and Maddie and I have continuously emphasized that to our audience. So we really appreciate you like saying that again, because I really believe there are, you can't say that enough. Um, it really is a message that people need to continually hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we need to get ourselves back to the basics, right? Let aeromedicine be aeromedicine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. And before we move on to our last segment, I just always want to ask, like, go ahead, plug yourself. Where can the audience find you? Um, and yeah, just do you have social media? I know you're a LinkedIn kind of guy. <laughs> So, yeah, this is this is constantly a a laughing point among uh, among my peers and friends that I only have LinkedIn to troll the FAA. So um, so you'll see if you go on there, it's just a bunch of me responding to the FAA, and I and I really only have the energy to do that in one platform and the time to do it in one platform. Um, so uh, um, so it's worth it if you haven't looked at it. Uh, it's worth it because they post a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. Um, it turned out they, when I was deciding which platform to go with, uh, that was, uh, the forerunner. So, um, so I am on LinkedIn, um, but 
Um, I'm very fortunate enough to be the uh, uh, the director of aviation at Ramos Law. Um, so a big, uh, large firm that's uh, headquartered in Denver. Um, obviously, I'm a pilot. Um, our uh, our founder, um, Dr. Ramos. Uh, I say doctor because he's a doctor. So uh, Dr. Joe Ramos is a doctor as well as an attorney as well as a pilot. Um, so awesome. he's been a pilot for a very long time. And when I, uh, him and I initially came together, um, about a year ago and, uh, and we chatted about making this division, uh, because that had been my focus was medical certificate defense. And he is a bunch of, uh, you know, medical, uh, we have, we have doctors that work at Ramos, you know, we, we could attack things from a very clinical, uh, dynamic way. And, uh, finally him and I uh, came together and said, all right, let's, Let's utilize these resources for good. Um, you know, his background as a pilot and an attorney and a doctor, and mine as a pilot and an attorney, and let's make a division that that attacks this. And I'm very pleased to announce that uh, we are now growing. Um, I would like that's a that's a painful statement for me to say because I would very <laughs> much like to not grow, and I would like this division to not exist. Um, but it is existing, and if the FAA is going to force us, then we're gonna uh, we're gonna call soldiers up and fight. Um, so we just hired a certificate defense attorney, um, Zeke Dennison, and this is, uh, his task is singular. The only thing you work on is medical certificate defense, um, and you attack the FA every single day. So we're growing over at uh, Ramos Law, so very pleased to announce that. That's awesome, Joe. Like, it's definitely much needed, obviously, since you're growing and you have one sole purpose focused on getting their medicals back um, and fighting for their medicals. Um, and I know that there are plenty of people in my DMs who are like, I need help, and I always send them to you. So thank you so much for always just being a resource for us and for our audience. Um, now we're oh. going to move on to some fun questions. And I based them kind of around law because I was like, we haven't asked Joe any like lawyery questions. <laughs> um, you know, I got to give Emma shit because I remember last time our question was like, one of them was about Top Gun and you said you got to go to a private showing. And I was like, I don't like Top Gun. I was like, what's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> but I finally did see it after you said you went to the private showing. I, I did go and see the new one and I I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was so good. Um, but on to our fun questions. Uh, what is one of your favorite law movies that you've seen? So without like hands down, it has to be uh, my cousin Vinny. So um, so my father is from Newark um, and uh, actually uh, Joe Pesci's neighborhood. So um, and it, it is essentially my uh, back east family to a T. Um, and it is so funny. It's like every single family reunion is is a repeat of that movie. So not so much on the legal aspect of it, but um, the pure like legal audacity of him being a brand new attorney and going, yeah, I'll go try a murder case like that. That is like it's <laughs> like Italian back east uh, demeanor, uh, like beautifully yeah. portrayed. <laughs> I actually haven't seen my cousin Vinny, so I need to watch it. Yeah, worth it. Yeah. Emma, I, do you have like a favorite one? I do not have an answer. Like I okay. really do. I was, I was, I've been raking my mind this entire past hour, like thinking, I'm like, I know I have had to have watched a movie um, like about law, but I cannot think of anything. Well, you, have you seen Aaron Brockovich? Mm -mm. No. Oh, um, so that, okay. That's my favorite. So I can go with that, but, um, so good. Emma, you would really like that movie, but I, I just love Julia Roberts and how, you know, stick it to the man she is. And then like how she dresses and everything and her own, the audacity of who she is. Um, that is my favorite law movie. Love the that. only thing that like even is close to law that I've watched in the past year, I think would be the the Anna Delvey thing, like the whole series, oh, yeah. of Anna Delvey, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> which I absolutely loved. And I loved her lawyer in that. Um, and then reading articles about it, like about the real people was very interesting. Um, and Anna Delvey is out of jail. Shout out. Um, <laughs> I'm an Anna, Anna Delvey forgiver. I, I Oh my God. Don't hate the player, <laughs> hate the game. <laughs> and it's got some hot takes today. 
<laughs> so my next question, Joe, is would a person close to you say it's hard to debate with you? Oh, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I don't, like, like, as you guys well know, like, God help anybody who gets me off on the subject of uh, aviation and, and definitely uh, medicine. Um, like, I'm going to sit somebody down for an entire day and we're going to chat about it. Um, but yeah, I, I would have to go back to uh, um, the Italian family on that side of the house again, because it is at those family reunions, it's uh, the only way you debate is you just become louder. So yes. you, just, you just talk over everybody <laughs> at a higher and higher volume. So, yes. uh, so non-Italian people, uh, I've definitely had a couple of non-Italian people be like, Joe, why are you screaming at me? <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm just being Italian. <laughs> like, sorry. Oh, man. Um, Emma, what about you? I, I would say if you were to ask my family, yeah, for sure. Um. I like me and my sister, my dad always used to joke and be like, y'all would be great lawyers. Um, and even Zach, my boyfriend said to me the other day, he was like, have you like, did you ever think about being a lawyer? Because you love to argue. Like you could argue all day long. And when you are confident in something, you will go to the grave with it. And so, yeah, I would say I'm hard to debate with, but I love to debate. Like that's yeah. one of my favorite things is like getting a little bit too drunk and then having a really heated political conversation with one of my family members where we don't see eye to eye. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> what about you, Maddie? I, I'd say you you as a Scorpio, for sure. Like you're yes. strong will. I am, I have, yes, I definitely have opinions. I like to see both sides of the aisle, but like if I really believe in something, um, I think my husband tells me all the time, he, he he talks a lot for one. So I tell him all the time, don't get mad at me when I interrupt you because you're a pilot. You get to talk all the time. <laughs> and I'm typically the listener. But I am someone who is a questioner. So if I don't agree, I will goad you with questions like constantly, which I think becomes annoying. Um, so yes, like I think it's hard to debate with me because I continually ask questions until I believe or I just don't believe you at all. Um, so yeah, I think it's hard to debate with me, but I do like to see both sides of the story. Like, I'm not going to just be like yelling at you to believe me. Like, I want to know, like, why do you believe differently? Um, and I really think the podcast has helped me with that because we talked to so many different people with such varying um, opinions that I don't always agree with, but it is nice to hear like a different side of the story. Um, but when it comes to our medical reform, you're never going to change my mind. Yeah, I would advocate for both of you being attorneys, by the way, <laughs> throwing that out there. Like, yeah, <laughs> this, the advocacy that you guys have and the stances that you take. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're basically already there. So. I love <laughs> that. I love that. That just made my week. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to tell people that actually Joe Russo, if you don't know him, is an aviation lawyer. And he said that I would be a yeah. lawyer. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I I think you guys are right there. <laughs> I don't want to debate you. Maybe that's why what I need to go back to school for. That's yeah. my new calling. Um, and then I can really, really fight some people. Yeah. Yes, you can flex that degree at least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So last question, Joe. If you could practice any other law, what would it be? And it can't be related to aviation. Oh man. So I've thought about this one for a while. So I think it would be, um, I think it would be Admiralty. So I would do Admiralty law and I know, so that's still under 49 CFR, right? Like it's like, it's still, it's still department of transportation stuff. Um, but I think it would be awesome. Um, you know, representing, um, basically international issues involving like sailing vessel vessels and stuff like that. And then on the same, like, like this one's kind of aviation, but on the same side of the coin as admiralty law, I think it would be space law, which people always say, well, you know, like they always categorize us as, you know, you're a uh, aviation and space attorney. Like, well, no, I don't, I don't really know shit about space, um, but, <laughs> but I would like to know about it. I feel like you could essentially be a pirate up there. 
um, and uh, and you can make laws like uh, you know you're on the you're on the the cutting edge of drafting brand new laws. Like, what if two guys uh, get in a fight on the moon? You know, like what do we do there? Um, I'm I'm excited about that new frontier. I'd like to do something in that space, um, but I don't think I'm ever going to have the time. <laughs> so you're too bogged down with aeromedical stuff. Yeah, exactly. Until until I become the administrator of the FAA, that's just not happening for me. And then at that point in time, I will focus on sailing vessels. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, Emma, do you know like if you were to practice law, what you would what you would practice? Uh, I've really been sitting here thinking hard. I've been chomping on my bit. Um you know, I'd honestly have to say divorce. Yes. <laughs> because that's, that's like ruthless. The, it's ruthless. It's cutthroat. It's tea. It's going to be, I need something that's entertaining and I want to only work with women. And I'm just going to be like, all right, honey, let's take him for all he's got. I think that'd be fun. Um, so yeah, no, I really like the sound of that. Other than that, I would think like, um, aren't there like lawyers for like media and stuff? Like mm -hmm. that works specifically with like media companies oh, and like it. entertainment, like entertainment, the entertainment industry. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a good one. I like that. One. I, I think that would be fun. I think that would be interesting too. Um, I've always like loved pop culture, but more specifically kind of the things that go on behind the scenes, like on movie sets and stuff like that. And all just like the really, really bad stuff that happens. And I think that would be very interesting and working with like, I don't know, people stealing other people's ideas. And I don't know, I think that'd be fun. Like the music industry or something like that would also be kind of entertaining but I don't know what about you Maddie um so like I said I really like Erin Brockovich so I think I'd be like I don't know what kind of lawyer she was but it's like you know fighting for the people like when they've been wronged so in her specific case it was like uh the water was poisoned and it was being covered up and it was causing all these people you know issues with their health um and I'm really obviously we're doing aeromedical reform like I care about uh, people being wronged by the government or by like a big entity with a lot of money so I don't know what kind of attorney that is but that's the kind I would be love it I re I uh, uh, met a guy in the past who uh, him and I did a, a podcast together and this was a, a lot of years ago and he said to me uh, um, he said that he represents um, e-athletes and I was like what what is that and uh, literally, he represented uh, athletes who just play video games like Madden. And, what? Uh, and they all have like million dollar contracts. See, that's <laughs> interesting to me. Like, I don't know why, but I follow a lot of like, I have never once picked up a, a video game or like played a game on my computer. But I love following like all of those, um, like the Twitch gambling and the Twitch streaming and all that like crazy nonsense so like even that sounds like super interesting to me um because those high not. like those contracts that they do are it is wild how much money exists in that universe oh yeah he was negotiating shoe deals and stuff and i'm like for what i just can't there. believe this exists i'm like the fact that people watch other people play games is insane to me because I can't do it. Like I'm the person who wants to like be, I'm an athlete obviously. So I want to go outside and play, but I can, I cannot sit and just watch people play. Even I'm not even a sports fan, which is sad to say, but I can't sit still that long. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That type of log this. So, you know, like don't rule it out. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys <laughs> yeah. consider that don't or not. <laughs> I have an issue with calling them athletes. E yeah, that's that's um, I was bullied relentlessly in like middle school for calling myself an athlete for riding horses like all the time. And and then I think of like people like that and I'm like, damn, OK, like really, where where have we where have we ended up? Yeah. <laughs> Emphasis on the E athlete. E, e yeah. athlete. E. E. <laughs> wow no that's funny i say i haven't played video games but i did have a really big thing for all the lego games i don't know if y'all are familiar with that but seriously best video games to ever exist lego makes a great video game 
Now's the time. Let's get in there. Let's get you, let's get you some shoe deals. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> I would love to have a um a brand deal with Lego. That'd be awesome. We do like a whole line of Cessnas, um, a, a bunch of fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love this this brainstorming session. <laughs> <clears throat> No, this has been fun. And I'm sorry, I literally have a tickle in my throat and I'm like, oh, wow, now I have to close out the show and I sound like I'm <clears throat> choking on a frog. But all right, y'all, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much again, Joe, for joining us. I hope, um, you know, this can be a regular thing. I think we all have like very in unison missions and messages. So this always works out so awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I really appreciate you guys. Like I said before, I mean, you guys are doing fantastic things for this industry and uh, and your advocation of pilots. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I I really appreciate it. And I know all my uh, um, all my friends do as well, and uh, both on the legal side and on the pilot side. So thank you all very much. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. So, all right, y'all. Again, that's it for this week. If you have some time, definitely subscribe, rate, review the show. It definitely helps. And if you review the show, if you listened all the way till the end last week, like Maddie said, give shoot her a DM or shoot um, the Pilots Pandemic DM and we will send you a postcard and a little sticker. So, you know, we like to incentivize it. Maybe you'll actually want to do it. Uh <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, again, that's it. And just remember to keep the blue side up and the brown side down until next week.